By the year 2050, people over the age of 60 are expected to account for at least one quarter of the population. Today's guest has been described as innovative, as an innovative and inventive resource in the area of aging. We'll meet him in just a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Pamela Brewer, welcoming you to this edition of Mind Talk. Today's guest is Anthony Cirillo. Anthony is the president of the Aging Experience, along with several other titles that I will allow him to share with you. Uh, but what's signif- one of the things that's significant about Anthony is that when CEOs have a health care issue, Anthony is the go-to guy to connect the dots for CEOs. They retain him for his ability to engage in big picture thinking. Anthony Cirillo, welcome to Mind Talk. Well, thanks for having me, uh, Pam. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Now, Anthony, tell me, uh, I, I want to find out what CEOs uh, consult with you about. What is it they want to know? But before we go there, tell me how you became involved in the field of aging. Sure. It's, a, it's an interesting story. So I did start out a uh, circuitous route uh, in uh, actually in broadcasting, which led to two jobs in medical publishing, which led to somebody saying, he could talk to the media and he could write, let's hire him at our hospital. <laughs> and I became a, mar- a marketing director uh, at a hospital in Philadelphia and then another one, and then for a health plan that worked with seniors in the boroughs of New York, uh, working with elders. Um, simultaneously, I'm also a musician and singer, uh, semi-professional, been to Nashville to record, uh, have sung in the casinos in Atlantic City and all that good stuff. And uh, God you know, blessed me with a pretty good gift to sing, and um, when I kind of got out of all of those things, uh, I went into a nursing home one day, and I started singing for elders, and when I was, you know, left Philadelphia and went to New York, um, I was doing 100 performances part-time, and it became abundantly clear that um, not only was I getting a great deal of fulfillment out of it, but I was giving a lot of fulfillment, too, and that literally changed my whole perspective from going from a guy who worked in hospital healthcare and then particularly marketing uh, to a guy who was able to kind of uh, connect the dots amongst all the things that are going on in, in this older adult space and then became a caregiver myself to my mom, and it sort of came full circle. So that's when I changed my company name from this former consulting company called Fast Forward to uh, the aging experience with uh, with our tagline, Just Rocket. And, uh I, I encourage people when they go to the website, just take a look at the image on the website, and it'll tell you all you need to know. <laughs> well, I've looked at the image on the website, and those are some pretty feisty ladies I saw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we it's talk, a granny about, rock band. Yeah. <laughs> when when we talk about aging today, when you talk about aging, um, what age range are you talking about? Well, you know, it really depends because if you really want to think about it, it's not just the older adult, you know, when most people think of 65 and older are, are, are older people, uh, but it's also the caregivers of those folks. Uh, and those folks, um, you know, while the typical female, the f- typical caregiver, family caregiver has been characterized as female, uh, you know, in mid-40s, uh, probably a working mother, um, the fact is that in one of the latest AARP, United Health um, surveys that they did, they found that 25% of the 
of uh, family caregivers are now, are now millennials. And, uh, and that's one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, you have uh, grandparents who are caring for grandchildren, and there's some one million or so of those out there as well. And that's why you're seeing kind of the proliferation of what they call these kinship programs where next of kin, I think is where that came from, are, um, you know, taking care of these folks. Or these, and even a, a grandparent's apartment complex in New York uh, that um, caters, you know, where, where the kids and the grandparents live together. So, you know, the demographic is shifting. It used to be that there were all female caregivers, and now the you know, male caregivers are starting to rise. So if you're talking about, especially as you get older, if you're particularly talking about, let's say, dementia, uh, or Alzheimer's, um, they become, uh, at least they should be thought of as a family disease. This is something that the whole family is going to need to get involved with. And, uh, and so it's a hard question to answer. Uh, in my own case with my mother as a caregiver, she had no cognitive issues. It was all medical issues. And, uh, and we had uh, my sister pass, uh, predeceased my mother, and, uh, and we're then taking care of my mom. So, uh, you know, that was just a whole other dynamic. So it, it sounds like in today's world, when you really think about the aging experience, um, that it really spans many decades. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the, the best advice I try to give people is that you need to prepare for your aging sooner in life. Um, and I, I say that in three areas. Uh, first of all, there's your, your physical health. You know, when I do go in, and first one in nursing home. I really observed that a lot of people got there not because um, uh, age caught up with them. It was they didn't keep up with themselves, uh, you know, from a physical standpoint. Now, we know, obviously, there's people, whatever, have strokes or have uh, medical conditions that uh, are genetically predisposed. Things happen to people. There's accidents and whatnot. But, but we also uh, don't do a pretty uh, great job of uh, taking care of ourselves, I think. And, you know, I think uh, there's some crazy statistics people in the U.S. are collectively 5 billion pounds overweight. Um, so that's, you know, kind of one area. Financial is the other. Um, you know, the amount of people who have, I think, I think 30% of baby boomers, again, I'm, I'm taking these off my head right now. I don't have them in front of me on a piece of paper, but I have less than $10,000 um, saved for uh, their senior care uh, or for their older age. And we could see, you know, in this day and age with health, uh, health, uh, issues being the way they are and premiums rising and so many misconceptions about uh, how this is all paid for. Um, you know, people don't understand that a lot of this, uh, especially when you talk about the senior living piece, is out of pocket. And so that, and then the third thing I talk about is you know, emotionally preparing for aging. And that's, that's where I've learned the most because when you spend 100 performances a year around seniors, you start to understand what makes uh, the seniors who are living a quality of life, what makes them tick, uh, because most people looking in from the outside would say, uh, there for the grace of God, go I. They're, they're in a place that they went to die, and, and that's not necessarily so. I mean, the people I encounter have certain traits and characteristics, whether it's uh, maintaining their sense of humor, having a great attitude, uh, continuing to have and find purpose. Uh, I met a woman in one nursing facility in Charlotte, and she was 87, and she had already been in the facility a while with her mother, and she was taking care of her mother. They were both that sick, and when her mother passed, and she got a little 
uh, more, uh, she had her illness progressed a little bit. She, she still, um, she became president of the residence council, probably the most thankless job you want in a senior care facility because you're the, <laughs> you're the consigliere, let's put it that way, between the, uh, the residents and the um, and administration. And I, I, uh, was interviewing her for a book at the time and, uh, we went out into her, quote, courtyard. It was actually the place where she went out and got in smoke. And she said, you know, I pray every day for what my purpose in life is. And I thought that was an amazing thing to come from a woman who has clearly had lots of different purposes, had a purpose right then, but still wanted to know what the next one is. So, you know, just to come full circle on this, I really encourage people that, you know, preparing for your senior year starts, you know, when you're, when you're young and uh, especially – uh, the financial piece is important, but the way the habits you you know uh, start when you're young to take care of yourself uh, carry through as well. It's it's all going to help you to be able to hopefully age in place, which I think is uh, most people's desires. Well, absolutely, and for so many people, aging in place seems like such a challenge. Um, and it's a particularly a challenge, you're right, if they have not been able to take care of themselves emotionally, socially, certainly financially and, and um, physically, but the emotional piece is often one that is so challenging for seniors, uh, particularly those seniors who uh, decide that at X age, fill in the blanks, their life is over and they're just kind of sitting around waiting for it to be really be over. Right, and that's where the whole topic of senior isolation starts coming in. And, um, you know, they have a word, um, you know, for, uh, for those people. But they either, on the positive note, they call them uh, uh, solo agers. And uh, on the uh, negative note, they call them elder orphans. So, uh, you know, take your pick. But, um, you know, there, there are some things that, you know, a woman, a friend of mine, and, and you're... Uh, Listeners might want to check her out. Her name is Carol Marock, and she has a Facebook group for, for these solo agers, and, and she has a criteria, so you, you have to actually join and be approved. But she made some conscious decisions <clears throat> in her own life because after she got done speaking, uh, to caring for her mother and realizing that she was growing older and she had no kids, uh, it was like, okay, what, uh, what am I going to do? And so she made some conscious decisions like, moving from a suburban area to an urban area so that, uh, you know, she could, um, you know, be uh, closer to activity and be able to get around. Anthony, um, let me interrupt you for a second because we need to take a break. But when we come sure. back, I'd like you to tell us more about how to connect with her Facebook. So don't go away. Folks, this okay. is Pamela Brewer. You are listening to Mind Talk, and I'm having a conversation with Anthony Cirillo, who is president of The Aging Experience. We'll be right back. Anthony, uh, tell us uh, the, how to connect with the Facebook group that you just mentioned. How do you spell her name? It's Carol, and last name M-A-R-A-K. Okay. 
and I'm actually on her Facebook page. It's, it's facebook.com slash groups slash elder orphans. Okay, great. Thank you very much for that, Anthony. Anthony, in the beginning of our conversation, I referred to you as someone that CEOs go to, to when they've got health care concerns. What kind of concerns are, are corporations coming to you with? Well, there's kind of two fronts on that. So um, when I formally go up, uh, I mean, I've literally helped launch the what they call this patient experience movement. I mean, you can't go anywhere without being people being obsessed with this idea of the experience of care. And, and uh, that came about because I wrote a seminal article that uh, wound up on the desk of uh, Toby Cogger over at the Cleveland Clinic, and, he, and the Cleveland Clinic began the first healthcare organization to start this office of patient experience and hire the first chief experience officer for any healthcare organization. And so all of a sudden hospitals and then it trickled down to assisted living uh, are all concerned about how do we offer the best experience to, um, you know, our, our people. Uh, and, uh, you know, some of them understand the full connection that if you do that to, you know, if your employees have a great experience, it's going to trickle down uh, to the patients. Um, but that feels is, you know, so when I go in and, and, you know, consult in that way, it could be anything from formal consulting, doing interviews, focus groups, coming back with a report. But if I do a senior community, um, sometimes I'll live there for a week and I'll interview the residents. Um, I wind up entertaining them at some point. So they, they get a show and uh, I also help that helps obviously build trust I do some competitive analysis of other senior living organizations that are in and around and and then kind of come back with a report that looks really more at how do you distinguish the experience uh, to foster better quality of care, better quality of life, uh, so that in turn, and this is the big point that I, they, they have to understand, is that when you have a better experience, it, it, is, it is the marketing for your organization. So that's kind of one end of it, but the other end, and where I've really become passionate lately, is around family caregivers and family caregivers in the workforce. I mean, um, you know, that's sort of a taboo subject right now. You know, if somebody self-identifies in the workforce as a family caregiver, there are actually statistics around to show what that can do, especially to a female employee in terms of their you know, a job and uh, and how much they could lose over the course of a lifetime in a career uh, because some companies just don't want to hear about it. Uh, I think that's going to change because, you know, I tell people that it used to be I could ask you, you know, did you, do you know anybody who has cancer and everybody knows somebody who has cancer. Now it's like, do you know anybody who has dementia or a family that's struggling with it? And so we're where the missing piece is now is that this is a family disease, as I had mentioned earlier, and you really have to start embracing this idea of caregivers and caregiving, not just the paid caregivers, who are many times also family caregivers when they get home, uh, but they, these are folks who are in the workforce who are struggling to balance things, trying to get things done when all of a sudden they're called out and have to do things. And so there's there's a culture issue around that about companies just needing to come to uh, embrace that. Um, we, one of the things I do is produce a, what I call a caregiver summit in their pre-recorded video interviews with, a, <clears throat> with experts in the field. And one gentleman, Don Weber from Logistics Health, really progressive guy. I mean, he gets the whole 
wellness connection to his employees' health, uh, to retention, uh, to being able to attract the best employees. He gives his his employees three wellness days uh, a a month, I think, or something. They could do whatever they want with them, and he encourages them to go out and take care of themselves. He had one employee who, mother... um, you know, did have cancer. She, the, the daughter was pretty young. They basically gave her leave for as much as she wanted. Uh, they set up something financially to continue to take care of her, and they, they kept her job. Uh, that's rare. So, um, but he realizes that he has a family of employees, not just employees, and that, you know, when you take care of the family, it, it all bubbles back up to uh, his company making a, a profit and uh, because people are more jazzed about working there. So, uh, you know, so the idea of caregiving, how do we take care of our family caregivers uh, is something that's really is one I'm passionate right now. And, you know, my caregiving journey, hopefully for the moment has ended. Uh, You know, it started when my sister, well, before my sister passed, when I was caregiver, we were kind of financial caregivers to mom. And then when my sister passed quite suddenly, um, you know, we became the caretakers to mom and moved her from Florida to North Carolina. And, and she passed in June of 16, and then my wife uh, similarly was caregiver to her mother, who, who died in January of this year. So, um, you know, we, we got through it, and you do get through it, but it also helps if you have a plan uh, beforehand so that some of these things don't trip you up. Absolutely. You, you've just referenced several losses for seniors who are themselves dealing with, let's say, a first season loss. This is the first... This is the first holiday season they've been without perhaps a spouse, maybe by death, maybe by divorce, a friend, a pet, anything with which that senior has felt a significant connection. What should we be mindful of? What should the seniors be mindful of for the holiday season? Yeah, I think we should be mindful of wanting to honor their wishes. Now, some people will further regress, and again, I'm not a mental health professional here, but uh, some will want to regress and not be around people. Uh, but, you know, hopefully uh, the, the families of those who have lost somebody, hopefully they're not these, you know, necessarily all elder orphans, uh, that they, they really should, you know, be around family and loved ones and, um, you know, try to, uh, go on with tradition. I mean, I could just point to my own mother-in-law after her father, uh, her husband died. Uh, uh, we continued to honor, and she had a big, big Irish family, my in-laws, and we continued to honor all the traditions that would have happened if he were there. And we'll do the same this year, being the first uh, Christmas without he, without her. So I think socialization is, is certainly part of it. And sometimes you can't force that on somebody, and so. You know, um, there's also how how does the community rise up and and maybe check in on elders, uh, especially those who are maybe living alone and maybe have suffered a loss. And I think that's uh, that's part of a community responsibility. And there are groups certainly that are you know church groups and others who spring up uh, to do that and start identifying people who are who are at risk. Uh, you know, I also think, and again, just uh, talking from my experience as, as things are popping into my head, you know, the power of intergenerational programs. Um, you know, we're seeing when an adult daycare uh, is, is uh, constructed these days, a lot of times they'll put a, a preschool next to it, and they'll have intergenerational programs between uh, the, the two. And there's nothing that can bring more of a smile to uh, people's faces than if the children come in and are interacting with, with the older adults. I mean, I've 
uh, certainly pet therapy is another another thing. If you don't have a pet, maybe you don't want a pet, but there's certainly people who do, and, and that, that could play a part as well. But I think it's a matter of the personal preference on, the, on realizing where that person is and came from and, and, and maybe how the death came came about. It could have been something that was long in coming or something that just hit, hit them off the side of the head. So you just have to kind of, uh, you know, uh, gauge the situation, but I think that the worst part is to do nothing, uh, but at least try to make some overtures to get a feel for what they're comfortable with and then kind of just let it play out from there. What if you're caretaking from afar? Are there places one can go for help? Well, certainly. I mean, um, there are any number of resources that uh, you can avail in the community to um uh, you know, there's certain, certain senior centers, there's age, departments of aging, uh, there's Meals on Wheels, uh, there's any number of things that people can avail themselves up in the community. Uh, you know, there's, some, there's something here in Charlotte, it's called Charlotte Villages Network, and it's a group of volunteers that specifically go out and uh, help people who are isolated. They might do chores uh, for them. Uh, they might uh, run errands. They might do something in the house. Um, so that's, uh, you know, certainly uh, some of it. But, you know, the family also needs, especially this time of the year, to make the most of their visits and to really pay attention because that's when you could put the things in place that need to be in place uh, and you'll understand the situation uh, better. You know, and that's kind of, uh, I really do encourage people, if you are seeing mom or dad, if you do live at a distance, this is the time of the year that you really need to kind of use all your senses uh, to kind of look around and at the environment and, and how uh, safe and sanitary, uh, sanitary it is and uh, and to also understand what kind of help people are getting and uh and you know that's when you start you know noticing things like whether <clears throat> there's a new best friend around or uh there's unopened mail or a lot of sweepstakes things and you know th these give you clues and hints as to what uh you know might have be happening uh, in a household uh you know physical changes in mom mom or dad and uh you know dehydration so i think visiting especially right now is a time because you really want to leave with some kind of plan in place. And some of that can be knocking on neighbors' doors who may not be fully aware and helping to form that little network if, if, even not you're, if you're not in a you know, place that has a village network like Charlotte, but to help form that network locally. I mean, certainly uh, there's enough technology and I don't discount seniors when it comes to technology. My mother had an iPad and she was 87 or 94 when she died, I should say, and and she uh, took uh, FaceTime calls and Skype, uh, and certainly that's um, part of it, my mother-in-law as well, and, and they also were on Facebook, so they kept up with the kids and the grandkids. Uh, but it's important to, you know, have a social support network in place, clergy and others in the community, and, uh, you know, again, the more advanced planning you do that over time, you don't wait for it to become a crisis. You know, if mom's living alone now, at uh, four, 45 or something, uh, chances are, you know, at 65, she still may. So why not get, you know, at least start thinking about what the scenarios might be that will play out. Gotcha. Makes a lot of sense. Anthony, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will continue with Anthony Cirillo, who is the president of The Aging Experience. Don't go away, folks. Thank you. 
Anthony, the elder care locator, that's something that you talked about. Can you describe that service for folks? Well, certainly the uh, elder care locator can help, uh, you know, people find services in in their local areas, whether it's, you know, assisted living, nursing homes, uh, whatever it might be, and it goes uh, by geography. If you go on the, this, the site, eldercare.aci.gov, um, you can see that um, you can have an online chat with somebody. Uh, you can have, there's an 800 number. It's run through the U.S. Administration on Aging, and uh, I'm just uh, actually on the site right now, acting as if I'm, I'm using it. And so I put in a zip code from where I, I used to live, and right up popped um, the uh, Office of the Services for the Aging and, and all of the different other ones, State Agency for Aging, the Elder Abuse Prevention Line, Health Insurance Counseling. So, again, if you go in by zip code, it's going to give you <clears throat> the names of all kinds of related senior organizations, their phone numbers, their um, URLs, and uh, also, again, there's an 800 number they can call, and there's also, it looks like, a somebody you could chat with as well online. And would you give us that web address again? Yep, eldercare, E-L-D-E-R-C-A-R-E dot A-C-I dot G-O-V. If you get stuck, just uh, Google, as they say, elder care locator. Um, it'll probably be the first thing in the search results. And I know also in the Washington, D.C. area, there's something called an aging network um, that you can uh, Google and, and be in touch with them as well. So clearly what we're saying is that there are many services, and even if you're not living in the immediate area of your loved one, it doesn't mean you can't reach out and help. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there are no excuses for being a long-distance caregiver. Um, there's ways to keep in touch uh, from a communication standpoint. Uh, there are so many things you could do remotely. Uh, you could pay mom or dad's bills. We all know that, you know, electronically. Uh, you can order food that can be delivered. I mean, you know, with, with all of the things going on, that uh, the uberization of everything, um, <laughs> there are certainly things that... Uh, that anybody living at a distance can do. Now, it doesn't uh, mean you shouldn't go visit and be in touch and be involved. You need to, and hopefully you have siblings, other siblings that uh, are close by. But we also know there's a whole, you know, a whole other conversation that you could spend a whole show on just talking about, you know, family dynamics uh, during caregiving and, and who steps up. <laughs> Anthony, tell us how folks can get more information about your doing, more information about the aging experience. How do folks get in touch? Yep, well, the website is www.theagingexperience, T-H-E-A-G-I-N-G, experience.com, the aging experience. And then I also have, again, and this is for a caregiving issue, it's called caregiversummit.org, caregiversummit.org, and we have a collection going on, 90 videos uh, around all topics of, of health, aging, caregiving that are just an enormous resource for people. It, it sounds quite comprehensive. Anthony Cirillo, president of the Aging Experience, thank you so much for spending time with us today discussing this very important topic. My pleasure. And folks, thank Great to meet you. Thank you. And folks, thank you for joining us today on this edition of Mind Talk. Mind Talk is brought to you daily as an educational public 
public service and it is not intended to replace any work that you might choose to do with a medical, mental health, or other professional. Mind Talk is produced by Jim Brown and 26 by 2 Communications. If you'd like to be in touch with me directly, that email address is Pamela, P-A-M-E-L-A, at mindtalk.org. That's M-Y-N-D-T-A-L-K dot O-R-G. And remember to go to the Mind Talk website and sign up for your free weekly program guides and just take a look around and see what you see and listen to any shows that you would like to. I do want to, again, thank Anthony Cirillo, president of the Aging Experience, and remind you that always, if it is unacceptable, it's unacceptable. You take care. Thank you.